There's something delightful, isn't there, about receiving a letter in the post. On Thursday, I received this envelope in the post. It just appeared on my door. And as I looked at it, I could see from the postmark that it came from Northern Ireland. But I didn't recognise the handwriting on the front. And as I opened it and read the contents of the card, I got a bit of a shock. This letter was from someone that I haven't seen in over 30 years. Someone I've lost contact with. This person was actually my godmother. You see, my godmother had heard on the grapevine that I'd become a vicar. And so she'd sent a letter to the vicarage saying how pleased she was and how she'd heard. And it was a real joy to receive this letter, to be able to reconnect with my godmother after all these years. Isn't it lovely receiving a letter in the post, especially when it's a card or a letter from someone you haven't seen in a while? When someone tells you that they're thinking of you, that they miss you, that they would love to see you again. And you know, in an age of emails and video calls, there's still something different, something special about a letter, something physical that you can hold and keep from the sender. Letters are special, aren't they? Well, this morning and in the coming weeks, I'd like us to work our way through a letter. It's one of the letters that make up the New Testament in the Bible. It's Philippians. It was our first reading this morning. You see, Philippians is probably the most delightful letter in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, he wrote it to the young church in Philippi. There's a picture on the next um, slide. This is what Philippi would have looked like. Um, back in the day. And Philippi was an important city. And Paul helped set up a church there while he was going around on his missionary journeys. In fact, the story of Paul's visit to Philippi, you can read about it in Acts chapter 16. Paul and his companion Silas, they actually ended up in prison during the few days that they were there. But that didn't stop people coming to believe in Jesus and the church being started. And Paul's letter to the Philippians is full of warmth. It's full of love. There are hardly any rebukes in this letter. Instead, Paul's affection for the Philippians shines through. His love for them, the way he encourages them and his affirmation of them, it's a real delight to read this letter. And so it's my prayer that as we read through this letter, as we think about it together, and as that our delight would also increase. That we would grow in our delight for God. That we would grow in our delight for each other. And that God would use this delight in to grow his church here at St. Luke's. To grow us up not just in numbers, but also to grow us in spiritual depth. So why don't we take a moment just to pray as we begin. Father, we pray and ask that you would speak to us as the words of that song that we heard just before this said, speak, O Lord, until your church is built. Please would you grow us. Please would you encourage us. Please would you even challenge us where we need to be challenged. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Paul, he hasn't seen this church in a while. 
Um, if you know the background, he's actually currently in prison, probably under house arrest. But he's concerned about the Philippians. He loves them. He misses them. So what does he do? Well, he contacts them. In those days, he couldn't just jump on a bus. He couldn't just pop over to see them. I guess in some respects, being in prison, there's similarities, aren't there, with the lockdown situation that we have. But unlike us, he couldn't just pick up the telephone or turn on Zoom. So instead, he writes a letter. He starts um, at the start of the letter from Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, in verse 3, he tells them how he feels about them. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. He's thankful for them. And it doesn't stop there. A few verses later, in verses 7 and 8, he says this, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Isn't that delightful? Imagine someone writing to you with these words. Imagine someone saying that they thank God for you every time they think of you. Wouldn't that really warm your heart? Imagine someone saying that they think about you all the time, that they long for you. That they long for you, not just with their own affection, but with the affection of Christ Jesus. That's a lot of affection, isn't it? You see, Paul loves the Philippians so much that when he can't see them, he writes a letter to them to tell them how thankful to God he is for them. Now, we have been in lockdown now for about six months, partial or full. And we all know that absence makes the heart grow fonder. Well, at least it does initially, doesn't it? But over time, our love for each other, our desire to see each other, our desire to meet each other, well, it can grow a bit cold, can't it? Nothing sudden, just gradual. But it happens, doesn't it? Think of all the people before lockdown that you used to see every week. And now we might just get a glance of them in a mask on a Sunday morning for a few minutes. Or maybe if we log on to the Zoom service later on, we see this tiny, tiny little picture of them on our computer screens. You see, when it's things like that, our love for each other can grow cold. So what should we do? Well, like Paul, we could pray for the people that we love, that we normally would see as they pop into our minds. It doesn't need to be a long prayer. It could just be as simple as, Father, thank you for so-and-so and for such and such. Amen. But the funny thing is, is that the more that we pray about people, well, the more that we pray for them, the more we tend to think of them. And the more we think of them, the more our love for them tends to grow as well. So we could pray for them. But we could also do something else. If you think of something, why don't you send them a card? 
or send them a note. I have to confess, I'm really bad at this, so I need to heed my own um, thoughts here. But why not send them something to brighten up their day? To tell them that you're thinking of them, maybe even that you're praying for them. You see, it would be a lovely thing to receive, wouldn't it? But it would also be a lovely thing to send. Now, of course, Paul, he doesn't stop there. He goes on in his letter, in these verses that we read earlier, to explain how he prays for the Philippians and what he prays. In verses 4, 5, and 6, they'll appear on the screen, he says this, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Remember, Paul was in prison. He can't go anywhere. It would be easy for him to feel self-pity or to feel jealous. But instead, his prayers were full of joy. He's joyful even while he's in prison. Isn't that amazing? And why is he joyful? Well, he says there in verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It's their partnership in the gospel that makes him joyful. Partnership. Partnership is something that brings people together. It holds people together, doesn't it? Just think of a business partnership. If you're a partner, it changes how you view the business. Now, John Lewis is famous for being not just John Lewis, but John Lewis and partners. Employees in the company are also partners in the company. They're not just employees getting grumpy, waiting for the clock to change so they can all go home at the end of their shift. No, they own shares in the company. They own part of the business itself. They're invested in the company. You see, it's more than just being involved. They're committed, aren't they? If the company does well, so do they. And if the company suffers, so do they. Being a partner changes how the employees work. And being a partner in the gospel, well, it's the difference between being a Christian and just being someone who happens to come to church once a week. Let's be honest, even these days, it's still fairly easy, isn't it, to come to church? We walk through the door, we sit in our seats, and then at the end of the service, we walk out. But being a Christian is so much more involved. It involves partnership. Not just partnership in helping to serve on a rota, but partnership in the gospel. The gospel, the good news of Christianity. It's the good news that God sent his son. There's a picture of the cross which will appear on the screen. God sent his son, Jesus. God was willing to do that. Jesus was willing to die for us. And of course, the gospel, the good news is that if we trust in Jesus, all of the wrong that we have done, all of it, will be completely washed away. I don't know about you, but that sounds far better than any employee ownership scheme. You see, being a Christian means that we love God, that we love Jesus, that we want him to be glorified 
We're invested in the good news of the gospel. And because of that, well, we'll want other people to know Jesus. We'll want them to know Jesus, not just for them, but also so that Jesus can be glorified. We'll want the gospel to be shared with more and more people. We'll pray about it. We'll do things. In fact, we'll do it even when it's painful for us to do it. Like a partner in a business, if we trust in Jesus, we're invested. It's obvious where our loyalty lies. People can see what influences our decisions. They can see what we spend our energy on. And that's why Paul was so joyful for the Philippians. He could see it in the way in which they lived. Their partnership was obvious, and that gave him great confidence. Confidence that God was not only working through them at the moment, but would continue to work through them. And that's the wonderful thing about being a Christian. If we're Christians, if we trust in God, we can be sure. We can have assurance that God will not give up on us, that he will hold us on until the end. And so finally, after describing how he prays with love, Paul then tells the Philippians what he prays. And it's actually a bit surprising. You see, if I had written Philippians, and I must say it's a very good thing I didn't write Philippians, but if I had written Philippians, this is what I would have written for verse 9. And this is my prayer, that you may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. I quite like learning. I quite like learning about things, hearing about things that I've never seen again. It fills me with a bit of delight. But that's not what the verse says. Does anyone know which words I've left out? Okay, everyone's being a bit shy. Shall we see the next slide? And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That's a bit surprising, isn't it? We don't often think of love and knowledge together being linked, do we? We think of love being an emotion, a feeling. You either love someone or you don't. If you do, you might have that nice, warm, fluffy feeling in your belly. It's exciting, isn't it? But knowledge and insight, well, they're on the other hand, aren't they? They're a bit academic, a bit cerebral a bit dry, maybe even a bit dull. Surely you can't mix love and knowledge. Or can you? You see, there's more to love than just fluffy feelings. And there's more to knowledge than just dry academic study. Think of the love that a parent has for a child. They would do almost anything for them. Think of a young couple Think of the love that they have for each other, how they delight in getting to know each other, getting to know each other. You could even say increasing their knowledge of each other. Knowledge and love go together. You see, knowing things can change our love. Just think of words that can damage a relationship. The words, I've had an affair can make a husband or wife doubt the love that they have for the other. But on the positive side, other words, other knowledge can build up our love. Knowing things can build up our love. 
Maybe when you discover something costly that someone's done for you, when you get a letter from them or a card or a bouquet of flowers knowing that they're thinking of you, maybe even when you get to know someone, including all those little annoyances that only they do, that deepens our love. See, knowledge and love do go together. Without knowledge, love is fickle. And similarly, our knowledge and our love for God will grow. If it won't grow, it'll grow cold, our love for God, if it's not based on something. And so Paul explains why he prays for their love to abound in knowledge. The next slide has um, all the verses, and he says this, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may able, be able to discern what is best, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Why does he want their knowledge, their love to abound in knowledge and insight? So that they can discern what is best, so they can be pure and blameless. You see, what we think about and what we do it's very difficult, isn't it, to change your habits? But it's even more difficult to change what we think about. What we love changes what we think about. What we love changes what we do. Just think of what people will do in the name of love. They'll jump on planes, spend hundreds of pounds, and fly halfway around the world if they're in love. All because of love. Love is a lot to answer for, doesn't it? And that's why it's so important that we love the right thing. God wants us to love him above all other things. Those words that we had at the start of our service. The first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And as Christians, well, we don't try to be blameless or pure to make God love us. That's not the way it works, and no, it's the other way around. God loves us first. And it's the knowledge of God's love, his love for us. That's what makes us love him. And as we grow in our love of him, that's what makes us want to honour him and glorify him in the things that we do. So here's a question for us all, myself included. Do we love God? Do we love him? Do we love him with all of our heart? With all of our soul? With all of our mind? With all of our strength? Now I guess some of us here this morning might be a bit unsure. Maybe we're not sure if we love God or not. Or maybe some of us might even go as far to say, I don't think I do love God. Maybe you've grown cold, or maybe you've never loved him. And others of us might say, yes, I do love God. I love him a lot. Maybe not quite all of me, but I do love him. Well, whether you're unsure, whether you've grown cold, or whether you just hope to grow in your love, remember Paul's prayer for the Philippians that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So let's be praying 
that our love here at St. Luke's may grow more in knowledge and depth of insight over the coming weeks as we work our way through Philippians. And let's consider as we do, as we study this letter, the amazing things that God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you, Father, that you want us to grow in our love for you. Father, we thank you that you have done so many amazing things, so many wonderful things. And because of that, Lord, as we grow in knowledge and understanding of that, that our love for you can only increase. So, Father, we pray that that would happen. And, Father, we pray that as our love for you increases, that our joy may increase as well, that our partnership in the gospel, that our thankfulness for each other, that those things would follow through as well. And we pray this all for your glory. Amen.